Hello friends, thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. I am here ahead of the theme music to give you a little bit of a heads up. Through something of a recording snafu, the quality of the podcast audio this week is... What's the word? Uh, it's bad. It's it's bad. Now, you could say that the recording snafu was the result of me not making sure we were recording through the right microphone. You couldn't prove that, but you could say that that was a possible reason that the recording quality is uh, bad. That being said, Kayla and I still had what we consider a fairly, fairly good, pretty good discussion of Goodwill Hunting. And that's why we're putting this up at all, despite quality that is not good. So please do trek forward if you dare risk the damage to your ears that our voices in conjunction with poor recording of said voices would cause. If you cannot make this journey, I understand, and I do not hold it against you. We will be back with the Maltese Falcon next week, and it will be our best-sounding episode yet, because we will have not only someone recording the podcast who actually checked to make sure we were using the right microphone, but we'll have... Another quality microphone with which to record our voices. Apparently, multiple microphones is a viable option for recording podcasts, so we're going to see how that goes next week. When again, we're talking about the Maltese Falcon. Anyways, thank you for listening, and sorry for the mess up. I promised we'd never do it again, but though we are clearly professionals, even professionals make the occasional mistake. And sometimes they make it again. And again. And again. And again. Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. I am special white boy, good Tyler Hannon, and with me, the backlight to my born, Kayla St. Hey. How's it going, Kayla? Good. I am very tired. I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> I, because I'm also tired, it's true. <laughs> but it's, it's very exciting. We successfully made it to a second week. Yes. It's, I mean, we're not recording two weeks in a row, but they're going to be released. <laughs> In consecutive weeks, like a regular podcast. Look, we're going to get to the point where we're going to record every week. It's going to happen. It's going to happen next week. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is. We are. Because you're not going to sleep in next week. (laughs) Next week, I won't need to sleep in as much. So if you're just joining us, um, we are both currently doing the two job thing. Also, just bless you for being here. Hi, Mom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we're both doing the two-job thing and trying to fit in hobbies. I have yeah. three jobs. Tyler and also I jobs. produce Ty- this podcast. Yeah, Tyler's a psychopath. <laughs> but, yeah, so... In the best way. Yeah, so getting down to it. Um, Tyler, what have you watched recently? Wow, taking over hosting. <laughs> you search. Um, I have watched... All of the things recently, partially because it's been two weeks since we recorded, but also because I just feel like I should look like I have no life by just watching tons of things. <laughs> so, um, 
have been the list. Recently, what we do in the shadows came out on DVD. It is the vampire reality mockumentary from the play of the Concord Dudes, and it's pretty hilarious just the way they put the form. Yeah, I wanted to see that. Yeah, it's you know just a couple vampire dudes just living in a house, getting by. In a, they invite this cameraman to their house who they actually talk to sometimes, but doesn't play a huge part in the plot. It, it, they know the camera is there when it's like relevant to the story, which is fine. I feel like this was a plot of a movie like a couple years ago that came out, like a B movie. I'm trying to remember what it was. I mean, B movies have had every plot at this point. It's just no, sometimes... I know, but it's like it's a pretty specific like vampire reality TV show. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look that up now because it's gonna bug me. This one's I... better. I'm sure. I will. But... Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Caleb. Just remember, our motto for the podcast now is we are werewolves and not swearwolves. <laughs> so watch your goddamn language. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but that's great. You should definitely watch that. And then um, two movies I really wanted to see both at Netflix around the same time, or at least I noticed them on Netflix around the same time. One is Creep, which is this horror movie starring um, Duplass. I blanked on his first name. Sorry. Mark Duplass? Mark Duplass, mm-hmm. yes, that one. Is he just doing scary movies now? He's doing everything. Because he did The Last Year's Effect. He, oh, that's right. Which I don't really want to see, but also kind of do just because I'll watch like, anything that Olivia Wilde is in. So. I'll watch anything Mark Duplass is in. Alright, cool. We'll do that for next week, maybe. Yeah, the thing about <laughs> Creep is, so I was very excited for Creep, and then I watched Creep. And it's about Mark Duplass is this weird dude who says he's dying, and he tells this guy to follow him around and shake him. And so he has this, hires this guy to follow him around all day, and things get weird and all this stuff. And I was really underwhelmed by it. I just wasn't a huge fan. And I put on Twitter, I'm like, oh, Creep isn't good. And then immediately, the three people I trust the most, or like three of the people I trust the most with horror recommendations were just like, you are 100% wrong. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I feel like that's what, like, Mark Duplass movies are always kind of like that, where, like, they look like they're... No, no, like Mark Duplass was the best part of this. Well, it was, like, the filmmakers, and um, my friend Dan was saying that it was actually supposed to be a drama first, and then when people were saying they saw a horror element, he recut it. I cannot verify that. I did not research that part. That's not the movie of this podcast. But. Well, that's like with um, Safety Not Guaranteed. Like, I really, like, I liked that movie, but I also was kind of, like, underwhelmed by it at the same time. Like, I enjoyed watching it. No, I But, like, upon more thought, I was like, eh, it wasn't like that good. No. And I think maybe I just was more forgiving because, like, Robert Plaza and Mark Duplass. I don't know. I, like, I, I felt that way about a number of Mark Duplass movies, but I never feel that it's Mark Duplass's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, he just um, happens to be in all of them. Yeah, I think it's because he's in like, he's in all these, like, little indie movies and stuff. Yeah. And I still need to watch our TV show, but it's on a list of 30, I um, Togetherness on HBO. Mm, yeah. Both, I have HBO with Both that. Duplass brothers. <laughs> but uh, the second one, the Netflix horror-ish thing, was Faults. It is about... Mm-hmm. So it stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead as this girl who is um, like kind of trapped in a cult. Or like, well, not trapped in a cult, she's in a cult. And her parents want to deprogram her, and so they hire this dude, played by the dad from The Guest. Um, uh... Leland Orson. 
but they were original at the time. And so that's like that's kind of the thing that sucks about watching older movies is like you kind of lose out on that because like a lot of times by the time you get to stuff, it's really cliche. Also, so show me the money. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, which is a great scene. It's a great scene. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. is so good in that movie. Uh, and I don't feel I don't I'm not super familiar with his filmography, but I just almost feel like not getting enough love. Duh, almost famous. <laughs> I've, never I've only seen famous. that movie ten times, but to be I I mean, I I don't know. I have complicated feelings about that movie just because of like what it's like what it's based on. Mm-hmm. Is rock stars sleeping with like pre like prepubescent teenage girls and they aged everybody up and made it look like it was a lot more innocent than it was, and so that I kind of have an issue with. Oh, we did Vanilla Sky too. Vanilla Sky is another really good Tom Cruise movie. I'll yeah, stick to that. Tom well. Cruise is amazing, but um, oh, oh, some of my things. Watch mm-hmm. some of my things. Both seasons of BoJack Horseman. Which is an incredible, hilarious, but also super dark and emotionally intelligent show. Yeah, it's been on my list to watch for a while. Starring an anthropomorphic horse, voiced <laughs> by Will Arnett, with um, Jesse Pinkman, except not him, the actor that plays him. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Aaron Paul? Yes, Aaron Paul is his. I need you, well, I need you to pause and take like six more drinks of that coffee. Oh, yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> And the last movie I watched, which will tie into our review in a bit, was Dead Poet Society. I've never seen it before. It is also a movie about special white boys being helped out by um, a, a, kind of a world weird. <laughs> by Robin Williams. By Robin Williams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by, by a character who resembles Robin Williams quite a bit. You know? But it is it's a really good movie, but also much sadder than I realized. It's very sad. <laughs> but really good. And it made me miss Robin Williams a lot, which we'll probably talk about how much we've missed we, Robin Williams. We will, well, yeah. But Kayla, before you get sad, what did you watch this week? Um, Not a whole lot. I have a much less prolific list than you do. Uh, I recently I started watching Twin Peaks for the first time in my entire life. And I was pretty wary about that because I kind of, I don't know, I have complicated, not complicated, I guess mixed feelings on David Lynch for the most part, but I don't know, I, I've really been enjoying Twin Peaks, so I feel like maybe I should like revisit some of his movies since the last time I watched most of them was when I was in high school or just out of high school. And I'm a big background Mulholland Drive. Like, like a burgeoning film nerd, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Twin Peaks is, like, I don't know, everybody and their mother already probably knows everything about Twin Peaks, but I... My mother knows nothing about Twin Peaks. Okay, your mom probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No shots of my mom. <laughs> but um, I don't know, I just, I think that it's really fun. I am 100% convinced that uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character, Dale Cooper, was the inspiration for Chris Traeger in Parks and Rec. Which is fascinating, considering how different TV shows these are. Yeah, but trust me, I'm, I'm going to make you watch an episode of it, and you're going to 100% know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I fell hard and fast for that. Uh, before I was done with the second episode, I was already looking up like kitschy merch to buy on Etsy. Okay, I found a brooch, and it's like a tape recorder, and it has a speech bubble coming out of it that says Diane, and it's Awesome, and I'm totally gonna buy it. Especially since I got that reference. Okay, he talks to the tape recorder, and what? okay, so, does up. he say Diane into the tape recorder? He always dresses the tape recorder as Diane. I'm not really um, sure if Diane is. I haven't gotten. I haven't finished 
for the first season even, so I'm not really sure if Diane is like an actual person or if like Diane. Be careful, our vast fan base is gonna tweet spoilers at you. No, no, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> they might. They wouldn't. But yeah, so um, other than that, I have been watching movies mostly at work. I rewatched Winter Soldier the other day and had a lot of feelings about it, as I always do, because Captain America is my favorite Marvel superhero, which is hilarious if you know anything about me. And Chris Evans' butt is her favorite butt. <laughs> this is also true. I just like, there are not many people. It's an amazing butt, I know. I, it's not even, it's not even just, <laughs> like, it's like everything. Like, I just like look at him and just like, am like weak at the knees. <laughs> he just like, is literally the perfect human specimen. I just, I, I like look at him and I can't actually comprehend that he exists. Very strange. But anyway, so my plug for Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, um, I really, like, every time I watch it... That movie I, does need some love. Oh my god. Every time I watch it, I find, like, something new to be, like, overly emotional about. Like, it's, okay, uh, spoilers, I guess, if you have somehow have not seen this movie yet, uh, pause this, go do that immediately. But, uh, so, like, at the end, when they're, like, trying to take out all the helicarriers, and, like, they're, like, fighting, and he finally gets it, and, like, it's gonna go down, but he saved the world, and they're like, Steve, get out of there, and he's like, there's no time to get out of there. And I'm like, how fucked up is it that at the end of both Captain America movies, he has to make the decision to go down with the ship? Like, do you, like how? No. Like, it's just not okay. And, like, do you think that when he woke up, he was like, oh, my God, have, is everybody that I know dead again? Like, has 70 more years passed? Because every time this happens, that's what happens. And, like, just, I don't know. I just feel very emotional about Steve Rogers and Captain America. And, yes. So that's what I've watched in the past week. All right, well, that's what we've watched this week, and now we're going to get to our review our movie that we're picking out of the IMDb Top 250 this week, which I forgot to uh, describe in the beginning of the podcast, but it's going to be all right. Is Goodwill Hunting, as hinted at by the Bourne and Batflight comparison. Will Hunting is about to meet his match. Did you paint that? Yeah, I painted it. Very interesting. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm, you know, and the waves are crashing over your tiny little boat there, and maybe you did what you had to do to get out. Maybe you became a psychologist. You got me. And maybe you married the wrong woman. Maybe you should watch your mouth. Nobody can understand you, right, Will? You're a genius. I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some book. Unless you want to talk about you. Are you terrified of what you might say? You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You got something none of us have. Oh, come on. Why is it always this? I mean, I owe it to myself. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because I'd do anything to have what you got. So would any of these guys. Yes, good luck to Kayla. What did you think of classic American, modern American film, Goodwill Hunting? Box office boom. <laughs> got nominated for all these awards. Okay. Launched two of our greatest movie stars. Let me just pull up my notes here. Won an Academy Award for Rest in Peace, Robin Williams. Okay, that I have no uh, no issue with. So, okay, I want to preface this by saying it's going to sound like I have a very negative opinion of this movie, and I don't really have, like, a negative opinion of it. It's just kind of, it was just kind of, like, there. Like, when we were watching it... Because you're heartless. No, it's just, like, when we were watching it, like, I... I didn't, like, feel particularly connected to, like, Matt Damon's character, and, like, I... I but he's know. wicked smart. <laughs> Bastard. Oh this is going to be almost as great as your age thing. Here's what I feel. 
<laughs> so Boston is super My, great. Uh, it's super great because uh, again, uh, we spent half of watching this movie attempting Boston accent, which we're terrible at. Back in Boston, <laughs> <laughs> it's wicked smart though. Okay, so yeah, so my main my main quarrel with this movie is that like Matt Damon is such like an unrelenting, unforgivable asshole the whole time. And despite this, that's just how they do in Boston. Despite this, all of these people are just like so committed to like helping him realize his potential and like doing this and helping him along and inspiring him. And I'm just like, dude, like honestly, and like that's good, I guess. And I guess maybe these people have so much patience. But he like, was playing a few years younger, you know. But so he's like, he, I mean, he looks like he's like 25. But he's not supposed to be. How old is he supposed to be? Actually, how old is he supposed to be? He's like an adult janitor. I assumed he was like at least early mid 20s. No, I think he's like a college, like didn't end up going to college kind of thing. Okay, well, regardless, like (laughs) if I was dealing with a person like this in real life, like after like two weeks, I'd be like, you know what, fine, like fuck you. (laughs) You you would drop out far earlier than that, I'm sure. But (laughs) I mean, maybe if he looks like Matt Damon, I would stick with him. Literally, but yeah, literally all of my notes are like, special white boy does this, special white boy tries too hard. Like, uh, my first note, special white boy with bad circumstances or whatever, followed by Boston. (laughs) Also, Ben Affleck, I'm pretty sure is the basis for every, every, like, non-East Coaster's opinion of Boston. There's like, it's like Ben Affleck, that's... That's Boston. Ben, <laughs> yeah. Specifically, Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting with the over, like with the accent, with the just like calling people queers and stuff. Which I don't know if he actually does that in the movie, but like that's, that's the kind of I dude think that he is. is. In there, yeah. So yeah, and I just remember like so many things. Also, like, Casey Affleck just like <laughs> I really ad libbed like ninety percent of his lines, which is makes it even more like hilarious. They're just talking me. like Boston. Like, you know, Kayla, this movie is just like true to the city, you know? <laughs> That's all it's about. It's like this is Boston. It's like the city is a character. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, um so I, I will say this, uh I really like Son Skarsgard, but like also in this movie, like I just don't really understand. He's not a character. He's not a character. He's just He's like an impetus. <laughs> yeah, he's just like the professor who's just like, first he's like impetus to get him to go to a therapist, which you never do, and then but then he's also the one pushing for him to leave and take a job or something. Yeah, well, because he wants him to like. He's kind of basically okay. Device. So he's like, oh, he's like, oh, like I guess he was like smart like him, and then realized wicked smart, wicked smart. Yeah. But then he like ended up being like kind of washed up and never really got the name recognition that he wanted, and it's like a big, it's like a big point of contention between him and Robin Williams because like he still views himself as like very successful and like he did something worthwhile with his life, and that like Robin Williams' character didn't, and it's just I don't know, it's an interesting. Like it's interesting because like I guess he's like fully characterized. That's true. I same, guess he does. But at the same, but at the same time, he's like not. You know, like he's still kind of very much like an obtuse, like not necessarily black and white character, but like. I feel like he's giving a scene or two, but then there are a number of other scenes where he's kind of just a force. Yeah. In the world. Which I guess. To help Goodwill Hunting. Because, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. Because you know what, Kayla? Even though he's a total douchebag. The movie title says he's good, so... He must be good, yeah. My other issue with the movie is the score <laughs> is so... Are you about to slander 
Danny Elfman? No, I love Danny Elfman, but the score in this movie is so fucking ridiculous. Like, it makes no sense. When he's being special white boy, you know he's being well, special okay, white okay. boy, because that music is just like, <laughs> it's just like, magic is happening. <laughs> like, there are like pixies and fairy dust in the world. Well, that was like when, the scene where he's like, where they're like, okay, so there's a scene where he's like working at a math proof. And this is like after he's like kind of started to like go along with the whole thing. Yeah. And so it's like a, it's like a montage scene. He's like, oh yeah. He's like doing stuff on the chalkboard. And like, there's like, 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 and then, and then the other, that also not character, not special enough white boy, it's just like, oh man. <laughs> I can do math I, that too. That used to be me, that he, he used to tussle my hair like that. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Uh, my, my other favorite thing is like how, like, the disconnect between like the professor world and like Matt Damon's world is because like while well, they're trying to figure out like who Will is because they see him like like running on the chalkboard and they chase him off because like that's a dumb janitor he can only be vandalizing <laughs> and so then they're like holy shit he solved the proof that none of us can solve and so they go but to, like, he's a dumb townie yeah. yeah so they go to the janitors to like find out who he is and like the janitor is like Obviously, like <laughs> I am not giving like you know because like you know like that's a pretty you normal, are the enemy. That's like well, that's a pretty normal reaction to have if somebody comes like looking for your employee. Like you're not just gonna like give out their information or whatever. And the professors are like so clearly just like taken aback and can't believe that they had to deal with like these philistine janitors. <laughs> it's like have you did you hear the language they're using? <laughs> Can you believe they're speaking to us this way? Like yeah, it's just I don't know. I just. I feel like so much of the movie is just these like really strange like. And I mean, to be fair, that's kind of I mean part of the themes of the movie, and one of the reasons people love it is because it's so well. It hates smart people, <laughs> which to be fair, smart people suck. I wouldn't so. say I hate smart people. It definitely <laughs> glorifies Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It hates like Matt Damon hates smart people. Like that you, they it hates smart people that like know they're smart and like being smart, <laughs> and are just because the scene with the. Uh, the kid in the bar, where you find out how smart Matt Damon is, like, oh, he doesn't just know math; he knows all the things. Oh, that was a really good scene. It was a really good scene. It was a really good scene, and uh, there are a lot of really good scenes in this movie. But that's what, like, part of the thing is, is like, is how it relates to the blue collar and the uh, blue collar life. A lot of, mm-hmm. in a way, a lot of movies don't, and like accurately because. You know, even though Matt Damon went to Harvard, so it's not like he wasn't a smart person himself. Like he drew a lot of inspiration from like working construction and things like that, and actually living on the streets, you know. Yeah, and I think that's good. I think that's like kind of when I was watching it, I wasn't really appreciating that as much because like obviously like like I come from like a, a working middle class family and like. I think so. Whereas I am quite wealthy. Well, like, you know what I mean. I mean, you do too. Well, like I think that like we were both kind of so caught up in like how like pseudo-ridiculous parts of the movie were that, like, almost kind of, like, maybe missed the point, like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Well, to be fair, I did, like, I mean, I had seen the movie a couple years ago, and so I did have that familiarity with it, and I did enjoy it more than you did, I think. Yeah. Because back then, I didn't know the perils of people. Well, back then, I was like, ah, oh, special white boy. It's like, 
That could be me one day. No, no, that will not be me one day. It won't be. It could be. You could get like a super awesome British girlfriend, you know? Listen, I don't know. If like, Mini Driver, like, just. <laughs> Descended from the heavens. She really, yeah. oh my god, Mini Driver is such a good part of this movie, though. Even though she, well, she ain't no, that's not fair. She has a good amount of scenes. She doesn't have a lot to do. She's mostly just kind of being the, the girl taking him out of his thing. But. She has a number of scenes towards the end where she really gets to be like, hey, I'm one of the best actors in this movie. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay, so this is kind of like a fun trivia. Well, it's not really a fun trivia. It's an annoying, awful trivia for the movie. Is that, fun uh, So, yeah, so Harvey Weinstein didn't want to cast her because he was like, she's not cute enough. And so Batfleck had to, like, argue with him. Yeah, so... To do it, like... And, Seriously? And looking up this movie, uh, two years ago, I want to say, on the 15-year anniversary of the movie, Boston Magazine, because of course it would be Boston Magazine, Boston Magazine. Did, did Mortal History kind of movie. And uh, there's a lot of, it's not like the greatest, it's not like super lurid or super interesting or anything, but there are certain parts in there. It also helps you realize, like, you know Ben Affleck seems like a cool, regular dude. Dude, I love Ben Affleck. Honestly, we talked about this before the podcast, but I want to put it like on record that I like Ben Affleck, and I think that he is... like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon both are really like self-aware, like smart people who are definitely, like I feel, committed to like using their privilege to shine a light on those less fortunate. Like, ben I mean, that's Affleck kind of what this movie was. Yeah, well, also, like, Although they were less privileged then. Yeah, well, like, Ben Affleck is really involved in, like, environmental stuff, and, like, he's a, if I remember correctly, he was pretty a heavy supporter for, like, gay rights, and, like, even recently, like, Matt Damon just had a video go viral where he basically, like, chewed out a reporter for implying that, like, he only wants, like, his incentive to be an actor is a paycheck. And, like, because she was, like, trying to compare it to, like, teaching or something, because his mom was a teacher, and he just, like, went off on her and was, like, no, like, we need a reform for teaching, like, teachers should be getting paid more money, like, yada, yada, like, because I guess it, it made it sound like she was implying that, like, him being an actor was, like, more important and more well-deserving of money than, like, being a teacher, and that pissed him off. <laughs> oh, awesome. oh, but, yeah, the Boston Magazine, first of all, they interviewed all these people, they interviewed Damon and Affleck, they interviewed I think they even got a couple censors from Harvey Weinstein. Um, Robin Williams had a censor too in there. Damon Affleck, they also the agent. There was no mini driver. And I'm, I was just thinking, you know, I really hope that the reason there's no mini driver is because she was either unavailable or didn't want to do it. Because otherwise, what the hell? You got like the agent, you got all these other people, but you can't have mini driver. I don't know. It's really weird. Harvey Weinstein is such a weird person. Well, so, like, it took this movie a while to get made, and it might not have been as perilous a journey as some movies have, but it's still, like, they talk about how Ben Affleck and David talk about how discouraged they got, because they sold it to Castle Rock, and then Castle Rock didn't want to do it with them, and they said, you could sell the movie for what we bought it for, or you can... Um, or we're, if you can't do that, we're just going to do the movie, and you'll be lucky to be involved at all. Like, we cast you, and all the movie right, and all this stuff. But uh, they went to Kevin Smith, who then personally vouched to Harvey Weinstein to buy the movie. And that's what it got bought by Harvey Weinstein, like Kevin Salem from Castle Rock. But then they also weren't able to get it made their way. Like you mentioned, the trouble they had with Driver. Uh, they, they ended up getting, they were in talks with Mel Gibson to direct it for a while. But then they're like, hey, this is taking forever. We're going to be too old to play the parts. 
And so they tried to get Gus Van Sant. And Harvey Weinstein, Gus Van Sant was a big name at the time, and Harvey Weinstein, they, they say in the thing, it's like, oh, you know, he's a marketer, so you can understand why one of them want that, because, you know, Harvey Weinstein's all about dollars and awards. And so he's like, Gus Van Sant, whatever. They ended up getting him because they got Robin Williams. Robin Williams was what got this movie made, basically. I thought you would enjoy the part where they met with Gus Van Sant in a Denny's. Yes. Yes. Okay. I um, like. I think I'm the only person alive who, like, unironically, enthusiastically loves Denny. Denny's promo tangent. No, they were pretty much. They were like, we don't know how to be rich people. Like, we don't know how to hang with these actors. Denny seemed as good a place as I need to meet them. That's awesome. Do you think they got pancakes, waffles, eggs? I don't know. Ben Affleck seems like they're salt in the earth. I don't know. Maybe just he seems like he words. seems like a toasted bacon guy to me. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Toasted bacon. That's right. There was definitely bacon involved in that dinner. For, for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I have my main issue is I lost that my tangent last time though. We're just talking story. about like the story of them making yeah. the movie. So my my yeah. So my thing is. Did I already say that? Yeah, he didn't want to hire her because he wasn't cute. Like he said that Minnie Driver wasn't cute enough. That's just kind of the like, Harvey Weinstein thing. But like that's what, yeah. So like he did that again with another Matt Damon movie, uh, the prolific and amazing Matt Damon movie, The Brothers Grimm. Uh, yes. Um, I think it was Samantha Morton who was like he pulled the same shit where he was like, no, like this guy would never date that girl. I was like, first of all, Harvey Weinstein, have you looked in a mirror recently? Like I don't think you have any right to be judging anyone on their looks or saying who anyone would date or not date because I don't think people are exactly lining up at your door. Shots fired. <laughs> I'm sure it's a, that I'm sure that wasn't the first idea of the director. I'm sure like every single decision in the movie he's questioning like can we get someone better with a bigger name? Can we get someone who looks better? I mean it's probably mostly a woman that he's like, can we get someone hotter? Yeah. I think we should have Kato to this role. I don't know why Kate Upton was like 12 when that movie came I know, out. I know. But who, who would have been at the time? I don't know. Maybe you wanted Angelina Jolie or something. Yeah, probably. But, um, which obviously was not. That's just the name I pulled up. But, yeah. Um, no, it was it was interesting reading about the movie getting made. Um, the, the, honestly, the most interesting part of it was the parts where they broke the fourth wall. Because Matt Damon mentioned how when he first, the first scene they did was Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård. And he was like, man, I cried watching these two established actors say my words after all these years. Like, that's what I, it's like, all my dreams are coming true and all that stuff because they've been waiting so long for it to get made. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Affleck's like, wait, he admitted that he cried? He knows his career isn't over yet. He'd like, he'd say that there's, I mean, it was not the boys, oh, men don't cry thing, but it was also <laughs> funny because. Matt Affleck clearly was interviewed after Matt Damon and is talking shit about Matt Damon. I just love their, like, I love their bro shit. But that actually reminds me of a funny point that that happened while we were taking notes is when I was, like, saying, like, oh, like, I don't know, like, the character's kind of, like, flat, but it's fine. I was like, it's not really his fault that the writing is so amateur. And Tyler goes... He wrote it. Yeah, then, <laughs> and I was like, oh, was no. The actual thing you said was, it's not his fault. It's like, the writer. I didn't think about it. <laughs> like, that's kind of the big thing about this movie was that they, they wrote it. And I, like, I thought, I bet Affleck's character, I was kind of rolling my eyes to part of it. But then, of course, here's the scene at the end, which is like... Probably the best moment one either of the two of them has, yeah. which is apparently also the last movie he filmed, and he got it on the first take. But they were just like, "We did it." 
And they couldn't believe it, so they filmed it more times. <laughs> that's a, okay, so yeah, that is... It's a really good scene. That's a good thing about this movie, is that, like, every character that, like, seems, like, annoying or flat or whatever eventually has a scene mm. where, like, they surprise you. Yeah. Ben Affleck just has me at the very end. Throughout the whole thing, I'm like, you know, I really I love Affleck now, but, like, he start, when he started off, he just wasn't as good. I'm like, you know... Because that's, that's also the narrative, is that, like, oh, you act like he's improved, you know? He... he, he he bottomed out a bit with Julie and all that, but he came. He's, he's a decent actor now. I'm like, that's a great scene. He's he was he was always a good actor. Scene. I don't know. I feel like Ben Affleck is like really unfairly characterized and like pigeonholed. And especially always, before these last few years. Yeah, and I don't know. I've just always liked him, so I am like weirdly. It's like it's like the the Adrian Brody debacle where I'm like <laughs> defensive of him despite knowing that he's made bad decisions in his career. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to Adrian Brody eventually in this podcast. Yeah. It'll just be me taunting you the whole time. It's like, man, how about, uh, what is it called? There's detachments. Detachment like, inappropriate. Okay. Detachment is supposed to be good. Yeah. Inappropriate is not a thing we were ever going to speak of. Inappropriate. We are never speaking of that again. Anyway, back to the point. Um, I really want to take time to talk about Robin Williams. Adrian Brody is in this movie? No, I want to talk about Robin Williams in this movie. Oh, so I should sound like he jokes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so, um, I don't... I'm very sad. I don't really know exactly how to describe, like, the impact that Robert Williams had on my life. That's because, like, I don't know, I, and I feel like a lot of people, like, around my age probably feel this way, but he's kind of like a weird uncle, I guess, that was kind of just, like, always, like, around. And he was definitely an actor that I never expected to like, die. And, I don't know, I, like... I've never had a celebrity death like hit me as hard as that one. Like I was at work when I found out and I cried. And like I think I don't know if it like I mean, obviously like I've struggled with depression and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's just like kind of like understanding that feeling or just like feeling really hope like I don't know. It was like a really hopeless feeling because it was like oh my, like this guy has like everything in the world on his side to help him and like even that wasn't enough. So like watching movies that he's in is really hard because like in retrospect you can kind of like see that like, there's darkness, a lot of that in his performances and like a lot of his movies and it's like almost it's like tragic in a way that nobody really knew about it like in the general public because like even if you watch like when he first died my fiance and I watched like we rented and watched a bunch of his movies and like um He's in this movie. I don't know. Have you, I don't know. Have you ever seen Death to Smoochie or no? No. Okay. It's so it's it's really. I really like it. But so like in that movie, he plays like this like disgraced and washed up um former like child TV show star. And like so much of the movie is him like depressed. And at one point, he actually like tries to commit suicide on the street. And it's like red flags. Like how was none of like I mean maybe people knew, but like I never had any like concept of that. Mm -hmm. So it was like really surprising to me that he died. Well and then even like in other movies too, like there's an element of in Goodwill Hunting, there's an element of sadness to his performance. In this case it's because his wife passed away, but it's still when you see that sadness there. Or in a Dead Poet Society, spoilers, there's a character who commits suicide in that movie. Yeah. Um, I made the mistake of, I had never seen, uh, is it World's Greatest Dad or World's Greatest Dad? Oh, God, it's World's Greatest Dad. World's Greatest Dad, yeah. That was the first movie I watched after he died, because mm. I was like, oh, that's a movie I need to see. I it's absolutely dislike that movie. I did not know anything about that movie, and after watching that movie, I was very upset, because yeah. uh, 
in that movie, the impetus for most of the action is that his son commits suicide a very certain way. He doesn't actually commit suicide. He accidentally oh, yeah. asphyxiates himself. So like I that's don't true. Know. That's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. So like watching his like. Like Robin Williams is undisputably the best part of Good Will Hunting. Oh yeah. Because I remember, like, up until like the famous like park bench scene, I was pretty like flippant about the movie and was like, ah, eh, like whatever, yeah, yeah. And then like we like that scene happened and we were just both like dead quiet, just like looking at each other, like, oh, okay. And there were thousands of people watching that scene apparently, like in that park. They didn't just shut the park down; they just had like police keeping people back. So there were like thousands of people watching that, and they just kept talking and. That's just yeah. I that's that's just something they remarked on the uh, oral history too was filming that scene. All the scenes that you think would be super momentous, they were just like geeking out themselves, just like, do you believe Rob did that? It's just yeah, and he's just I really think that he was probably one of like the greatest like acting treasures that we had, and so I don't know. I guess it's it's and, nice to have such like a firm reminder of like the truth of that. And the thing is, I feel like everybody has an attachment to him of some sort. Like for me, I didn't see some of his more like grown up quote unquote movies or like uh, dramatic roles until like later. But even just growing up with like Jumanji and Aladdin and a, even um Patch Adams and a couple of those other movies, some of them not as well regarded. Like hey. Just, I loved him. He was just like, he was this force of nature that was. Yeah, he's just like. And then people who like were older, closer to his age bracket, they grew up with like uh, Birdcage and some of his other earlier roles. Even more like the Morgan Mindy. If people saw Morgan Mindy, you know what I was showing, or like in reruns. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen any of that, but I know that that's a thing people are strong passion to. And it's, yeah. I it, just yeah, he's just a like, very special person. Generations. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm trying to think, and I can't really think of another actor, like, recently that has that kind of, like, overarching, like, positive public image, I guess. Like, I'm, I'm, I honestly come up blank. I just, I, I feel like he was, like, a very special person, and I don't think that there's ever really going to be another person quite like that, because, like, I don't, it's very rare for like somebody who's primarily a comedic actor to be able to just jump into serious movies and be taken seriously, like Jim Carrey, for instance. Like Jim Carrey is oh, a phenomenal. I was going to say actor. a lot of comedians are great serious actors, but it takes yeah, getting the recognition for it is more difficult. Yeah, and I don't know, just like every scene that Robin Williams is in in this movie is like a showstopper, like. The bench scene, there's the scene where he finally, like, basically tells Matt Damon that he is not special enough and he needs to just get the fuck out if he's just going to be an asshole the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, just, like, this, like, heart-wrenching, like, like you would think that, like, like you would feel like it should be, like, really satisfying that somebody's finally telling him off, but then you realize, like, that's, like, all, that, like, they have each other and, like, that's kind of it at that point. Or even the first scene they're in when um, he puts Matt Damon in, like, the choke because Matt Damon goes too far about his wife, mm-hmm. that, like, took takes your breath, like, it stops your heart, and you're just like, oh, like, he is not afraid to tell this kid off. Yeah. But he goes a step too far, he's not going to just stand there bewildered like all the other people. He's going to be like, yo, you shut the fuck up. Which is good, because, like, obviously, I feel like Matt Damon's character has never really had that, <laughs> so... Which is part of why it works, you know? Yeah. So, I just, yeah, I guess I just really wanted to set aside time to, like, talk about that, because he deserves that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like even like even at the time he was the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
even though it was like it's the triumph of Damon and Affleck, it was a huge triumph for Robin Williams as well. And I'm glad awards don't mean anything. Like awards, uh, people say awards don't mean anything, but the awards do mean something because like they make themselves matter just by sheer force of will because we talk about them so much. But also the way we approach awards, like it kind of does matter. At least maybe not for Robin Williams as much. I, we can't speak for how he felt about it. Yeah. But at least from our point of view, it's nice that he got that recognition. Yeah, I wouldn't say that awards don't matter. I a think, lot of people I think say that. I think it's a lot like, of people try to act like they don't matter, but like at like at the core of its meaning, an award is a recognition for doing a good job at something. And even if they like mess them up or whatever, when they get, we're so happy when they get them right, whether it be like. Tatiana Maslany getting nominated for an Emmy, or you know something like something like that. It's just when they get them right, we're so excited, and when they get them wrong, we try to just write them off. But we still complain so much. Exactly. I mean, granted, would I have rather have if given the choice? I would rather you know depression be taken more seriously. Not when got the help that it needed instead of the Academy Award. Right. But that's not how life works, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and if there's one good thing coming out of that, it's that people talked about it and people took it seriously. Yeah, well, I mean, once it, like, hits you in the face like that, like, you almost have to. Because, like, the fact of the matter is there are so many people who struggle with depression and anxiety and all these other things that he had problems with. And so there's a tendency to really kind of sweep that under the table. And it kind of sucks that the thing that it takes to get people to talk about it is a prolific celebrity dying. But, like, if there's any positive takeaway from that happening, it is that it put a harsh light on that subject. Which, yeah, as opposed to the other recent celebrity death that crushed me, Philip Seymour Hoffman, which there really is no silver lining of any kind. I mean, yeah, other than talking about how addiction is a disease. Well, yeah. Ugh. There was a there was a big double whammy for me when that. That happened. was yeah. I mean, I Phil Hoffman is also really an actor that I really like. Ugh. Who also kind of has that same like real depressing like dark tone to his filmography. Like I don't know. Have Synec- you seen Synecdoche? Okay, there's a little scared to watch. There's this movie called Synecdoche, New York, that Phil Seymour Hoffman was in, and it's kind of complicated to explain. But the gist of it is that this guy is like. He wins a grant to write a play, and like his entire life falls apart around him. And then, in like a magical surrealist turn of events, he the play he's putting on is like a life-size model of New York inside of a warehouse. And so, I don't know, but it's like such a sad movie. Like honestly, I watched it. It was also kind of the environment. I watched it in the dead of winter in a cabin in the woods my high school boyfriend and when the movie was over I was like wow my entire life is completely pointless and there is no reason for me to be alive oh. and, I don't know. and that's before he died that you had that, yeah that. so like I yeah I feel like the hints are there and that we should just pay attention to them a little better <laughs> yeah and I mean, I have a couple other things. It's hard to go from that to talking about anything else, but I just had a couple other notes on the movie. So the movie, yeah, sure. it was made on just a $10 million budget, and it obviously ended up being super successful. Um, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Somewhere in here. But um, it won two for Best Writing. Um, those two became the youngest screenwriters 
that's another thing where they talk smack is David's like, yeah, Ben Ben's the like the youngest screenwriter with an Oscar. It would have been me if it wasn't for him. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the big one is um, him winning the Oscar. Uh, the movie made two hundred twenty-five million dollars in nineteen ninety-seven for just like this character drama. Um, which made it the number seven movie in that year behind, you know, some small films, Titanic, um, uh, Men yes. in Black, Lost, <laughs> Drug Titanic Park, Lost World. Titanic on the top 250? No. Fuck. Everybody go vote for Titanic because I love Titanic. Oh. I love to ramble about that on the God, podcast. that would go on forever. <laughs> liar, liar. Air Force One. <laughs> and um, I didn't finish writing up the title, but as good as it gets, maybe. Something oh, like probably, yeah. But, um, That's right. Yeah, so it it, it, it did a little well. And another one of my favorite things, besides in researching this, besides um, digging into the connection between them them and Kevin Smith, was um, how it it originally, before they cut it down, it was supposed to be like an NSA thriller. (laughs) They specifically called it like Beverly Hills Cop. (laughs) And stuff like that. And it was like, that is a very different movie. And I'm very glad they cut that out. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, I sorry, I, I just realized this as I was watching a movie. The movie starts off as Special White Boy. And we've ranted about the Special White Boy. But it does become less about the math part of it at the end. Like, the, the first act is all about him and math. But by the end, the math part, the genius part, is kind of a footnote. And it's just about this kid... And this is why people love the movie. It's just about this kid connecting with this guy and kind of finding his better self. Like almost. growing as a person. And it's also about him getting out of Boston, obviously, but that's even less connected to the special white boy thing. It's just kind of finding his best self and like you know improving his life in what way he can. And I mean, that's what the movie gets a lot better as it goes along. I feel after it gets past the. The math genius stuff yeah. that doesn't hold up as well over the years. I don't know why, because it's not like being smart and math are less cool now. It just, no, it's just like it's just we've that, seen it. It's, been, it's happened we've a seen lot. It. Yeah. So definitely the, the takeaway and the important part about the movie is definitely like growing as a person, rising above like your bad circumstances when you were younger, and like dealing with abuse and like stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is way more interesting than. Flippant white boy is good at math but doesn't want to do math, <laughs> in my opinion. All right. Uh, I think I had a couple of notes I wanted to hit, but nothing was that big. But the movie was filmed in Toronto, obviously, because everything is filmed in Toronto, but also parts of Boston because they had to get the idea of the city. Yeah. And just some other fun things where like, they actually took Robert Robin Williams to Boston, and people were like, it's from Williams and create a mob scene. But because of that, they ended up filming at the Elk Street Bar, which Robin Williams didn't even film in. And apparently Harvey Weinstein was like, don't take Robin to Boston anymore. And I don't know if this is going to cost him more money because he had to fill out a location. But that's why, okay, like, oral histories get kind of a bad rap now because, like, everybody does a funny oral history about everything. I kind of like it. But I like there's some... There are some really cool details in these things. Even Kevin Smith. Oh, okay. So, like, one of the biggest things that came out of them talking about the movie is when they were still with Castle Rock, then they were having them do all these rewrites and stuff, and they're like, we don't even think they're reading them. So they basically turned it into fan fiction. So partway through, halfway through the script, they'd have Ben, 
those two characters just start making out and blowing each other. I'm just saying. Just I like think. in the script. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, they never said anything about it, so we don't think they were reading it. Whereas when Kevin Smith gave it to Harvey Weinstein, he gave him two notes. Um, one was, I guess, Matt Damon's character, Will Hunting. Um, he was, mm-hmm. I suppose I should know his name as he's. His <laughs> Good Will Hunting. Yeah, he's, he's wicked smart. The new log on it for that movie. But he told him to get rid of chess. I guess he was good at chess. And the second note was, get rid of the blowjobs. <laughs> and they were like, he read. It was like the light opened. They're like, he read the thing. Oh my god. I'm just saying, if they turned out to be gay, that would have made the movie a hundred times more interesting. But that's just my opinion. Aren't they brothers? No. Oh, are they brothers? I thought, I could never, I could not figure out during the movie. Me neither. If they were actually related or if they were just like, Street there's there's one scene where it talks. I, I got the idea that they were friends, but there's one scene with Minnie Driver where he's like, Yeah, I have 12 brothers Willie, Billy, Liza Manilli. I don't know, but like, because like then there's a scene where they're like at his mom's house and they're like mad yeah, at Casey really. Affleck for like masturbating in his mom's room, so it implies that they have different moms. I don't know. So it's like, I guess he, if he has were, a bunch of brothers who don't appear in the movie, and then the Affleck brothers. Okay, so brothers if the they're actually brothers, I take that back. <laughs> they should but not be gay. Not, but if they're not, totally, yes. Totally, just like, <laughs> you know, he'll come back for him, it'll be great. But I mean, we kind of went all over the place with that. I kind of just added a bunch of stuff at the end. But like, there's a fine, lot of yeah. interesting facts about the movie. It's just, yeah, it's one of those movies that's like, it's kind of hard to talk about because, like, what, like, how many people have talked about this yeah. movie. But yeah, so I'm going to do my fun trivia fact. For oh, wait, hold up, hold up. I got oh, one last oh, okay. thing. One last thing. <laughs> I could still, one of my favorite things is looking where people go after the movie, and especially <laughs> since this was a huge thing for all of these actors. So, so Matt Damon, so they did Chasing Amy right after with their boy. But then Damon then goes Saving Private. Saving Private Ryan, Rounders, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Dogma, and I was like, that is a big run, like after Google Hunting. And then, then he has The Martian coming out this year, mm-hmm. which, and then Affleck, starting off already, Shakespeare in Love, Phantoms, Armageddon, but then Armageddon is <laughs> Reindeer Games, and he's not as, just not as, yeah, I mean. <laughs> we watched Armageddon, remember? <laughs> oh, God, Armageddon. <laughs> Robin Williams then did Jumanji, Birdcage, which actually, I thought that happened earlier in his career. Flubber came on the same year as Good Wanting. Then Gus Van Sant obviously has done some good things. And then he did uh, Sea of Trees this year, which is apparently the, the movie that got booed the most at Cannes. See, so he's had an up and down See, career. I don't ever go with movies that get booed at Cannes because there are so many movies that get booed at Cannes that end up being good. And then they're like, oh shit, yeah. You know what um, wasn't the like, The last time I heard of a movie getting booed that much was Only God Forgives. Okay. Only God Forgives can fuck off. Yeah, that so let's go on a tangent. Because <laughs> we don't do that usually. Only God Forgives validated the complaints a lot of people had about Drive. That's like the- which pissed me off because Drive's a great <laughs> movie, except all those complaints are valid about Only God Forgives. Only God Forgives also took one of the greatest gifts away from us because Ryan Gosling had to take time off of acting because He's he was still so bummed up. Yeah, He's still so who did that? Was that Nicholas Wendling Griffin? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, thank you for your other movies. Like, seriously. But mostly, fuck you. That no. movie, that's the first time I've watched a movie and legitimately felt like I wasted my time. And like, no, that I, was that was The Wicker Man starring Nicholas Cage for me. Because I didn't appreciate the comedic <laughs> value of that time. But like, okay, so here's, like, with that movie, like, I remember, and like, I watched it with my friend Trent and like, he loved it. And I was just like, are we, like, I, and like, I usually, there are a lot of movies that people don't like. Wait, Trent? Yeah. Trent, if you're listening, your taste in movies is the weirdest thing. <laughs> I love it. 
but it just kind of baffles me. There's just, okay, well, there's like a lot of like artsy, weird movies Shots like fired. that that I will 100% stick up for oh, and like yeah. get behind. Like that movie, I like Rubber, the killer tire movie. <laughs> like, that movie was just straight up bad. Like, I'm sorry. There's just. It's just not well, Caleb. Here, this before before we get possibly back on track, <laughs> it'll, it'll make you feel better. Ryan Gosling is coming back soon, starring a movie with Russell Crowe, which you don't care about as much, but directed and written by Shane Black. Okay. So I mean, I can deal with that. Yeah, it's alright. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, if you really want to be mad, Gangster Squad was the worst thing. I've <laughs> still never seen it. It's terrible. Don't do it. Like you think, like oh my God, the period here. You got Emma Stone and like I felt like with it would that be like fun. No, it's terrible. Not fun. Also, Sean Penn's the bad guy. Uh, so like, well, isn't Sean Penn always the bad guy? <laughs> Sean Penn is the bad Sean guy Penn. in life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, let's let's move on now that we're not even talking about Kevin Hunter anymore. Yeah, um, so we'll go. <laughs> do we have anything else to comment on that before I go into the No, I think I'll just structure it a little better so then my random facts and research aren't all just piled on at the end. Maybe we'll sprinkle them throughout or I'll have an intro segment. And, you know, we'll continue to talk shop about the podcast on the podcast. Because we really just want people to know how the sausage is made. We're still in the back room of the coffee or shop. Yeah. So. We also are continuing to cut nothing out. I like it. It gives the character. Anyway, so. That's an excuse. Um, movie trivia fact, which I still don't have a theme song for at this time, but, but we're going to get movie there. Trivia. Movie trivia. Okay. Uh, so, Mindy Driver's character is named Skylar after the girl that Matt Damon was dating at the time, but by the end of the movie, uh, or maybe before the movie, I'm not 100% sure of the timeline, that the real life Skylar left him to date Lars Ulrich from Metallica, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> like, how did that even happen, first of all? Like, my main question. Was that before or after Metallica got super angry about music downloading? I, before. It was in the 90s. Oh, okay. So, I don't think music downloading was really a thing. Maybe, I wonder if she left him because of that. Just like, Lars, just get your head out of your ass, man. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Yeah, but then they get the silver Or maybe line. she just realized she was dating a dude from Metallica. <laughs> the silver lining to that is that Matt Damon became involved with Mini Driver, and that's just a beautiful, cute couple. Oh, they're obviously not still No, he, Matt Damon's wife is, like, not an actress or involved in Hollywood at all, I don't that's believe. That's yeah. But you know what? I'm sure they're beautiful. And wonderful. I mean, how could they not be? All right. And my IMDb 250 trivia statistic for this week is, it's a dual one. So because we just talked about Matt Damon, he appears in four movies in the top 250, but the person who appears uh, either as an actor or director in the most movies is Robert De Niro. He is an actor in eight movies in the top 250, and that's the most acting by quite a wide margin, actually. The next closest are a couple appear in five movies. The only other person who really matches up with Scorsese has seven directing appearances in it, and uh, Eastwood stars in five, mov- five movies and directs three of them. Yeah, this is kind of fun to look at with people who appear a lot. And yeah, I really like this. Actually. Yeah, I, this is really organized. No, I, I'm telling you. But i got a lot of stuff here. I just remember, you guys can't see it. It's a very nice spreadsheet. It's very professional. Okay. I've got a lot of statistics going on. We have a bunch to go on for a while. But just looking at the people who appear a lot, a lot of the names you'll expect, like there's a ton of Spielberg, there's a ton of Scorsese, Eastwood. But you get the interesting stuff, like... Kurosawa is in, in a lot of things. Akira Kurosawa Billy Wilder, is amazing. Charlie never... Chaplin. I've seen some Kurosawa, okay. but uh, a lot of Hitchcock, a lot of Christopher, Christopher Nolan, because <laughs> Christopher Nolan fanboys vote the crap out of those movies. 
They do. I mean, I enjoy them. I mean, yeah, I enjoy them, but I don't. The Christopher Nolan back. I'm kind of. I want to be careful on the Christopher Nolan backlash because he is a legitimately talented and outdoor director. Like, I think also it's. Chill the fuck out I think it's. A, I think it's his fans that kind of ruin it. Yeah, like he's a really good director. There are certain bands like that too. Yeah, I mean, like, probably, they're good, but they're not like the most amazing in the world. Like Christopher Nolan is really good, and I really enjoy it. Like I don't think I've seen a Christopher Nolan movie that I don't really like. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would not be like, I have a personal vendetta to vote all of his things to the top because he deserves it. Like I don't feel like that. But yeah, uh, and. Oh, we skipped over the, uh, the movie racks. Oh, so okay. we'll go on those this week. We'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So my recommendations are um, kind of not like super great. I guess. Like, this is a hard movie to pick recommendations. Yeah. So for, I all the movies it's similar to that you think of are like you've already big, seen them. Big Oscar movies that you've already seen. Yeah, like Saving Private Ryan, things like that. Although IMDb um, did recommend the Truman Show as like. With okay. it, and I would say you should watch that. But that, so, that's another comedian putting in like a landmark performance. Yeah. That he did not get the recognition Robin Williams did, unfortunately. The movie's probably too weird, but it is incredible. Yeah. Um, so my, my real recommendations um, Jersey Girl, starring Ben Affleck, which is apparently the Kevin Smith movie that everybody hates, but is the only Kevin Smith movie that I like. <laughs> and. Um, I just think it's like cute and fun, and Liv Tyler's in it, and is amazing. And the little girl that plays Ben Affleck's daughter is super cute and does a really good job. And they sing Sweetie Todd at one point. So like, what more do you want out of a movie? And my other recommendation. More Affleck. More Affleck. Matt Damon has a cameo in that movie, actually. Of course he does. And it's hilarious. I think he pretends to be like he's like well he he is playing like a Miramax film. One of my favorite things about old um, Kevin Smith movies is whenever Matt Damon and Ben Affleck pop up. Yeah. it's like Matt Damon appearing on the Jimmy Fallon show all the time. It's just like, it makes you see like a real person who just enjoys two of these Yeah. Things. <laughs> so my other recommendation is a Matt Damon related one is the animated children's film Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, which uh, crazy horse girl, 10-year-old Kayla loved. And uh, honestly, it's a really well done movie. It's really, like the animation is really good. The story's good. Matt Damon provides like a weirdly like sexy horse voice. <laughs> kind of like Will Arnett and Bojack. Yeah. Weirdly so sexy. If you can track it down, it's just, it's a really visually nice movie, and like, it doesn't really have anything to do with Good Will Hunting other than that yeah. Matt Damon is in both of them, but Tyler brought it up before the, the podcast. I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to recommend. Which reminds me, Minnie Driver is the voice of Princess Mononoke and Jane and Tarzan. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. And our connection. Oh, my phone. You saw off your phone. You I'm yelled sorry. at me for it. I thought it was an airplane mode. I don't know what happened. Oh, God. You we almost fired. made it. We almost made I it. Even, I turned off my alarm <sighs> before it went off. Anyways, we're almost done. My recommendations are a double feature for Matt Damon, also from the 90s, shortly after this came out. Um, they were kind of big at the time, but possibly it's been a couple, it's been a while, and these movies haven't they aren't like they weren't the big Oscar winners and stuff. But uh, talented Mr. Ripley, Matt Daly is incredible in that movie, and that also stars the we mentioned briefly Philip Seymour Hoffman in one of his incredible just like three scene roles. How's the peeping, Tommy? How's the peeping? I've never seen the talented oh, Mr. Ripley. You gotta at least see this. I know. Scene. I know. How's the peeping, Tommy? Decent enough. 
but yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to take your recommendation. Also, Rounders. Because Rounders is a lot of fun. I've also never seen Rounders. Rounders is a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> I need to rewatch that, but that was just a fun movie. Okay, we'll yeah. that as well. Matt Damon, double feature. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. This episode was a little looser than the first one somehow. We got, like, we're, we're two weeks. Two weeks got tightened up. <laughs> but, uh, thank you. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy this. Uh, you can find all of our various social networking things online. We're at Twitter at LTRFIPod. You can email us at LTRFIPod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Tumblr where you can get all this information as well. Let the right films in at Tumblr.com. Dot Tumblr.com. <laughs> Tumblr.com. Yeah. We did it. Anyways, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah. That's staying on the podcast. <laughs>